Welcome to the Innovating the Customer Experience podcast. I'm Michael Vermillion with JD Power. And with me today are Uri Nizi, who's the Epstein Atkinson Chair in Management Leadership and Professor of Economics and Strategy at the University of California, San Diego. So Uri, welcome and thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Great to be with you. And we also have Scott Killingsworth from JD Power. Scott, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining. Hey, my pleasure. Hi, Mike and Uri. Um, so the topic for today is uh, incentives. And uh, Uri, we invited you to join us uh, today in, in the conversation around incentives um, because you've done a lot of work in this area and have a recently published a book called Mixed Signals about incentives. So perhaps a good place to start would just be to understand a bit about your your background, uh, your research, and, and kind of why uh, you went down this path and, and, and uh, in terms of your interest uh, in research area. Sure. So I'm a behavioral economist, which means that I'm, I'm an economist, so I believe I, I work with economic tools. But instead of making assumptions about how people behave, I actually look at how they behave. So I run experiments. I look at real data and try to figure out how people behave. So in particular, I'm interested in incentives. And with incentives, it's really important to understand that incentives work. Incentives always work. The problem is that we don't always understand how they work. And that's, that's what I'm trying to, to understand in my research and my work in the book. Thank you. So why don't we just start at the beginning then in terms of um, definitions. So, so when we say incentives, what do we, what do we mean by that? How do we define incentives? I think that a useful definition is that an incentive is something that will make you do to take an action, say, that you wouldn't take otherwise. So if you, you wouldn't take it, but now I give you incentives and you will take it, that's, that's an incentive. To me. And it could be money, it could be social status, it could be satisfaction, it could be many, many forms. And just kind of taking it back to the, to the root uh, of it, um, how, how do incentives work psychologically? So wh why do incentives work? So th that's interesting. If you take a class called incentives in the business school, you can take the class with an economist that will tell you, look, people go to work. They hate going to work, but they have to pay the rent and, and eat, so they go to work. That's the assumption that economists have. The psychologists will have the assumption that you go to work just because you want to get some kind of satisfaction of values or uh, whatever it is. And those two are straw men that are, of course, wrong. What I'm trying to do is to look at the combination of the two. How can we make, how can we use the extrinsic incentives like money or whatever it is to make you happier at your job, to, to be more likely to do the things that I, I believe I, as a person who designed the incentives, believe are good for the for the organization. So your your recent book is called um, Mixed Signals. Uh, wh why that title? The one of the things one of the most important things that many people miss when they design incentive is that incentive sends signals. If I give you an incentive to do something, I give you of course the money or the social status, whatever it is. But I also tell you what's important for me, right? So I can tell you one thing. So I can tell you that I care only about quality, but then I'm going to incentivize quantity. You're going to look at this, not just, oh, if I want to make money, I need to care about quantity and not so much about quality, but also that that's what it means to be a good worker. Because Michael really paid me for quantity. That means that that's what he cares about. 
right? So the signal, you get a signal and you often get a mixed signal because when you designed the incentive, you actually wanted to care, you wanted me to care about quality and quantity, but you, you incentivized only one and you get a, a different, you send a different signal that you wanted to. And that's the reason that many of the incentive schemes that we see don't work. And once you understand the signals that you send, you can really be more effective. Yeah, that's really, uh, that's really interesting. I wonder, are, are there other examples of um, incentives that were well-intentioned but, but went wrong because there was a, uh, a difference between the way the incentive was designed and, and the signal that it gave off? Sure. So, for example, I can tell you that being creative is really important. You can tell your employees, look, I really want you to be creative, to come up with new solutions, and that, that's what I care about. But then when they fail, you can punish them. Well, if you punish them, you can fire them or you can just um, uh, don't give them bonus or don't give them the promotion that they deserve if they fail. Basically, people will not be creative because why would you try new things? By trying something new, you're increasing the variance, which means that you're more likely to get into something really valuable, but you're also more likely to fail. The right thing to do is, instead of punishing failure is to try and debrief what happened, you know, what happened, why did it happen, and how can we do better in the future? If, when you look at why did it happen, you see that it's because I was lazy or stupid, punish me. But if you'll see, look, it tried, it was a good idea, it turns out not to work. In most cases, you can learn more from failures than from successes, because you, you can really change your intuition about it. So don't say, I want creativity, but then punish failure. Debrief the, the failures, learn from them. Another one is team versus individual incentive. I can tell you that it's really important for me that you'll work as a team, that you'll cooperate, but then I'll give you incentive based on your individual success. You're not going to contribute to the team. You're going to contribute to your success, to, to your uh, KPI. So think about mentoring at the workplace, which is extremely important. Why would I do it if it's not rewarded? Right? So that, those are some examples of mixed signals. I tell you one thing, but then the incentives tell you a very different story. Thanks, Uri. So, so Scott, in the contact center, I think we see some examples of um, saying one thing but incenting for another, right? So, so I, one example that comes to mind is around average handle time. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Uri. I'd like your perspective on, you know, I, I, I like your definition of incentive, and I think it applies to the call center environment. You know, it sends a signal to take action that someone wouldn't take otherwise. Um, is there um, a chance that, you know, a punishment, you know, we were thinking about average handle time, right? So there may be an unspoken uh, incentive in the form of a punishment, right? So if I'm on the phone too long, uh, either in a performance ranking or I show up on a list or maybe my supervisor notices that I've been on a call too long, and I start getting messages uh, that I've been on the phone too long. You know, that's not really a, um, an incentive per se, but but it can function as one. Just like your thoughts on that. I think it's absolutely incentives. I think that uh, call centers are a classic example. I talk about it in the book. And too often you get this average time that you mentioned, number of calls, whatever you want to define it as the, as the major thing that people are incentivized on. And to a great extent, that's because that's what I know how to measure. It's very easy to measure how many calls you get, you take per hour or how long you, you stay on average on a call. It's much harder to measure whether it was effective. 
Now for the call center, if I, if I give you a solution that is not a great solution and you call back two hours later, that's bad for the call center, right? That's bad for the organization. That wasn't the goal. The goal is to get you to solve the problem in the, the fastest way and with a good customer service. Such that, so it, it's a multidimensional thing. And very often we, we try to incentivize only one dimension, the one that is easier to measure. And that's, of course, a mistake. So one thing, you know, if you can get customer ratings at the end, that really helps because then you can say, okay, you need to reach this average uh, time plus average rating, at least, right? So you, you have more than one measure. And uh, more generally, you need to enter, in this case, some subjective evaluation by someone so you can tell them every day we're going to audit one call at random and see the quality of that the conversation. And if you'll see that, I was rude to the customer, you're going to react to this. So it's tempting to look for the easier place to incentivize, but that sends a very bad signal about what you want, what you expect. Uri, I, I know one thing we, we need to be super careful about or very thoughtful about is monetary incentives. So, so you need to be careful about what you're paying people to do. I, I think a couple of examples you get from the book would be around recycling and, and blood donations. Is that, is that right? Right. So the example with recycling, imagine that uh, you see your neighbor walking on a cold day to the recycle center with a bag filled with 100 soda cans. What are you going to think about? Are you going to think, wow, she's great, right? She really cares about the environment. She's probably going to get a good signal about her behavior also for herself to say, well, I'm, I've done well today. Now imagine that the, the city introduced a 10 cent the incentive for returning, for recycling such uh, soda cans. Same scenario, you see your neighbor going to the recycle center on a cold day with 100 soda cans. Now you say, wow, she's really cheap for $10. That's, that's really bad. And she's probably going to have a different interpretation of what she's doing. So the, the incentive can really change the meaning of what we're doing, and that's why you have to be careful about it. You need to make sure that you understand what are people going to figure out when the incentives are introduced. If, they, if the story is changing in the wrong direction, you should try and avoid it. So, so I think there are some good examples of uh, incentives that can go wrong. Um, so <clears throat> when, we're, when we're thinking about designing incentives that will work, how, how, what should we be thinking about when it comes to the design of incentives? So I'm sure that your organization, like almost any organization, has a CEO and CFO and, and whatever, all the good things. One thing that is often missing is a common sense officer. Just someone that can sit over there and tell you guys, look, the, you're good engineers, but your ideas are really not great. People are going to be upset by, by what you're doing. You shouldn't do that, or maybe you should do it in a different way. Right, so this common sense officer is something really important. I talk in the book about the example of Coca-Cola. The CEO had a great idea. He said, look, we're usually charging a dollar, but on hot days, people are willing to pay more for a soda can from the vending machine. So let's raise the price on, on hot days. Right, so the regular price will be a dollar, but when you go to the machine on a hot day, you'll pay $1.50. And of course, people got upset by that because that's taking advantage of us. That's being greedy. Using common sense, what they could have done is to say, look, the regular price is $1.50, and on a cold day, we'll give you a discount. It's going to be only a dollar. Now, it's exactly the same prices, but a very different meaning of what you're doing. Now, now I'm a good guy. I'm giving you a discount. 
Similar story happened with AMC theaters a couple of months ago, if you remember. They said, look, we have to raise prices, so we're going to charge more for the premium seats. People got upset. The way they should have done it is say, look, there is inflation. We have to raise prices, so the regular price is going to go up, but we care about you, so we're going to give you a discount if you're willing to sit in the first row or on the sides, right? So you need to think about the story that you're telling with your incentives and have, just have common sense when you do it. So that's the first step. And the second one is using some kind of A-B testing to see whether your ideas were good. Very often, you know, I, I run experiments for a living. Very often I run it and I see that there are problems with it and that people are really good at gaming the incentives that they came up with. So you have to tweak it until you find the one that actually works. So use common sense and then test it refine it as needed, and keep doing the testing, by the way, because you never know what will happen with time. Just make sure that you are using data in order to inform your uh, your incentives. That, I, I, I love that uh, common sense officer uh, concept and uh, the examples uh, for Coca-Cola and AMC theaters. Scott, um, can we use some common sense officers in, in the contact center uh, uh, space? Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, one of the best practices that we've seen in top performers over the years is um, involving the front line, uh, involving the front line supervisor um, in decision making. Um, I think that uh, in our top performing organizations that those two groups serve as a common sense officer, you know, before, you know, rolling out large initiatives, especially something like an incentive um, you know, to run that by a, um, you know, focus group um, of frontline uh, folks, and they can serve as the common sense uh, officer. I really love that term. And I think so. That's, that's an important point because there are different uh, cultures. Culture doesn't have to be, you know, Japan versus Israel versus the U.S. It could also be within, within a company. So if you want to know something about social media, don't ask me. I'm 56 year old, I don't use social media, I don't understand why people use it. You should ask people that use social media. And that, the, the story that you're telling is going to be very different depending on the culture in which you are. Some cultures are going to be more accepting of competitive incentives, for example, than others. Just make sure that you understand the, so that when you do the focus group, I'm sure that that's how you do it, use people that are relevant for this, right? So if in your call center you're talking with older people, make sure that the focus group is with older people. And so the, very often people miss this point. So Uri, is, um, as leaders of organizations, how should we be thinking about the signals that we're sending uh, to, uh, to our organization and to the people that work for us? You should think about the, the fact that your incentives send signals, whether you understand it or not, that's, that's, the, that's a different uh, question. But you should understand that just by providing incentive, or even if you don't provide incentive, if you don't provide incentive in the call center that you mentioned before, that's also giving some kind of signal that, look, we don't really care that you'll just chit-chat and have a very long call, right? You should understand that every incentive that you give in sends a signal about what's important for you, and you need to make sure that that's indeed what you care about, that you're not missing the point with it. That's the, if there is one takeaway from the, from the book is that you really need to look at the signals that your incentives send and make sure that they're aligned with what you want to, to send. 
Terrific. So, so just to, we like to wrap up with a call to action. So um, if uh, the people uh, listening to the podcast today, we're going to go back to their company and start a conversation about incentives and signals. Uh, what kind of questions um, should, should they be taking back to their organization? So first of all, the understanding that incentives work. I very often I work with companies and they tell me, look, we tried incentives and they didn't work. And my example for this is that you went to a bad Japanese restaurant and your conclusion is that Japanese food is bad. No, you, you were just unlucky, right? And the same is true for in, with incentives. You just didn't design the right incentive. That's, that's what happened. So incentives work. That's the first, uh, the first message. And the second is that if you want to, the incentive to work well and to be effective, make sure that you understand the message you're sending with it. Terrific. Well, thank you very much. Um, Uri, th thanks for joining us today. And, and Scott, thanks for joining us as well. Yeah, my pleasure, Mike. Thank you. It was fun. Yeah, great. And we want to thank our listeners as well. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>